Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help with home, life, auto, or business needs. Phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk-ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. Hello there, I'm Shane Ray. For Central Indiana Today, we have two stories tonight. I'll be your host on both stories. The first one is when the lieutenant governor came to Brownsburg just last week, as a matter of fact. I had a chance to sit down and talk with her about her adventures going around the state and making presentations, meeting with service clubs, and meeting also all of the Indiana citizens. And the second part of our show will be talking with John Goaty. He's a former Brown Township trustee and also now formally a host of Fact and Fiction which is a podcast that's carried on xrbradio.com. John will explain why he is now the former half-host of the show. But first, let's talk with Suzanne Crouch. Now, when the recording was made, we had some technical problems, so it starts out very clear, then there is a little bit of a bumpy spot, but then it all becomes clear again on the audio side of things. So don't adjust your radio or your computer or whatever you're listening on. Here's our interview with Lieutenant Governor of Indiana, Suzanne Crouch. Shane Ray talking with Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. She is here in Brownsburg today at the Rotary Club. How is Suzanne today? Suzanne's great. I think Suzanne's better than Shane. Because <laughs> Shane's got a cold. Just a little, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll get right to it. I know you have a busy s- schedule, and I had some things I wanted to ask you. First off, you do a lot of, st- of uh, traveling in the state for clubs like the Rotary Club here in Brownsburg. Why is that important that you uh, make these stops and talk with people one-on-one? Well, coming from local government and then being in state government, I understand that it is so important to connect with people and to get their input and to hear about the issues that they are dealing with, but also how important it is to let them know that we at the State House and Governor Hooker and I appreciate the successes that they've accomplished in their communities. You know, I, I traveled to all 92 counties and I did that to build relationships and partnerships because government works best when we all work together and we work best together when we have partnerships and we don't want we don't want our local communities to feel like they have to come to Indiana. Governor Holcomb and I want to take government to them to let them know how important they are and share and celebrate in their successes. So um, it is important to do these kinds of meetings, but also important to travel around the state and went on toboggan running a week ago. So, you know, it's important to do all, all kinds of interactions. We're a very caring, collaborative state, and Hoosiers are uh, very connected, and so 
their government is just an extension of them. It's their government, and so we want their involvement, and we don't expect them to come to us. We want to go to them. Uh, looking back on 2017 now, what do you think has been some of the biggest accomplishments uh, in the past year? Well, I believe that, first of all, the, uh, the Indiana General Assembly working with Governor Holcomb passing an infrastructure plan that is long-term that allows us to be funded for the next 10 years plus is absolutely monumental because infrastructure drives economic development. And what that means is here for Hendricks County is over the next five years, $127 million would be invested in Hendricks County infrastructure. And as I said, infrastructure drives economic development. So that is absolutely key. It's one of our five pillars. Uh, the Indiana General Assembly with Governor Holcomb passed many, passed many bills and into law that are attacking and fighting the drug epidemic. It's key. It's, it's a good start. We continue to have to work on that issue. But that is a success that we've had in terms of taking that first step and going ahead and, and making those uh, improvements. We have, in Indiana, established a new record for the amount of jobs created uh, in a year. We have gotten to the 30,000 mark, which surpasses the 2012 record of 27,000. So being able to continue to strengthen and grow our economy is absolutely critical. And we are doing that and moving in the right direction with that. So those are a couple of, um, and there are many, many more. And those have been accomplished, not just because of the leadership of Governor Holcomb, but by because of the bipartisan cooperation of all four caucuses in the Indiana General Assembly, because it takes people working together to make things happen. Yeah. What are, and I don't want to call them shortfalls, but maybe some things that you feel like didn't, didn't quite reach the mark and we still need to work on as a state? Well, one of the areas that we started on, but we continue to have a high priority in this upcoming session is preparing uh, a 21st century workforce for the high demand, high paying jobs of today and tomorrow. And what that what that involves is realigning our priorities so that we have children that are prepared when they come out of high school to go on for additional training or they're prepared to go on to college or they're prepared and skilled to actually assume a high-paying job. And so in the past, our education and workforce training has been a top-down approach from the state down to the locals. And Governor Holcomb has created a new education and careers cabinet position, pathway cabinet position to look at realigning and restructuring those priorities and that model to where it is going to be the local communities that start to determine what their workforce needs are and their training needs. And then they will be able to direct the programs that they need to have in place to be able to have their children be prepared for the workforce and their adults who need to be skilled up to be able to do that. Instead of it coming from the top down, this is going to be from the ground up. 
you know, you mentioned the workforce there. We get a lot of press releases about uh, the governor working not only inside the United States to bring business to Indiana, but also outside the United States. To the common person, uh, average citizen, shall we say, of Indiana, why do you think that's important? That uh, or What would you say to them why, if they were to ask you, why is it important that we bring uh, industry to Indiana from outside the United States? Well, it's important that we take our underemployed and unemployed Hoosiers and skill them up, and we're focused on doing that. But if we get all of our unemployed and underemployed Hoosiers that can be employed and get them skilled up, we still don't have enough bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go to any business in our state and they say they don't have enough people to hire. Right. So what we have to do is we have to look at bringing people to Indiana, not just bringing jobs to Indiana, but bringing workers to Indiana. And so it's important that we bring the jobs to Indiana, but I would say it's equally important that we continue to create opportunities for our existing businesses to be able to grow the jobs because 75% of all jobs created are from small businesses with 50 or fewer employees. You had a lot of nice things to say about Hendricks County and specifically Brownsburg while you were talking with the Rotary Club here. What is the state saying about Hendricks County? When you when you look at Hendricks County, what what what, kind of, what conversation comes up at the Capitol? Well, it's an important part of our state and an important county. Uh, it, it is agriculture. It's also it has tourism. It is a a community type of a county. Um, Many employment and economic development opportunities, you know, people care, they collaborate, they work together, great leadership, strong leadership, uh, all the ingredients is for success. And as I shared in my remarks, Abraham Lincoln said the fact that some achieve great success is proof to all that others can achieve it. And Hendricks County is a model to the rest of the state that by working together, by being creative and innovative, you can achieve great success. And so very much they're a part and recognized as an important part of Indiana. One more quickly. What motivates you? What keeps you going uh, to do this job and to uh, to want to go out and, and meet the people like you do? Well, it's an honor to serve uh, as the 52nd Lieutenant Governor of Indiana. And I was raised by parents who instilled in me a strong sense of personal responsibility, but to readily accept that I had a responsibility to help others who were less fortunate. And so it's very rewarding for me to be able to serve and to help people and to be able to connect with people and help them celebrate the successes that maybe they take for granted. Um, so really, it's more rewarding to me. I get more out of it than I think I give. Uh, but being able to serve, um, I feel blessed to be in that position to be able to do that and to help people. And, and as I stated, if we truly are a state that's committed to a legacy of excellence, and we must lift up all Hoosiers and take all Hoosiers to the next level, including those with disabilities, those with mental health challenges, and those fighting drug and alcohol addiction. All right, Lieutenant Governor, I certainly appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Oh, you are so welcome, and I hope you get feeling better. Thank you. Very nice of her to say that while I had a cold at the time and still trying to get over it. 
We'll be back in just a few moments with our interview with John Goaty. The new Plainfield UPS is now hiring part-time package handlers and part-time supervisors for three different shifts, morning, evening, and late night. A weekly retention bonus, pension, benefits, and college tuition reimbursements are available for part-time UPS employees. More information on available positions, online applications, and scheduling an interview can be found at www.upsjobs.com. Welcome back to Central Indiana Today. Now in the interviews, uh, interviewees chair, I guess you could say, as someone who's been here before, uh, Mr. John Goaty. Now, you've been a guest of the former host of this show, Rob Kendall, right? I believe I have. He's forced me in here a couple of times. <laughs> you betcha. Forced you in here, I'm He sure. did. Well, he ran out of guests, and he called me, and I'm the emergency <laughs> backup guest. So, yes, I've been here a couple of times. It's been a privilege. Got you. Well, this is John Goaty. A lot of you longtime listeners of the show, like you said, you might remember him as being one of Rob's guests. He's also had a show for uh, several years now on XRB Radio. Uh, it's on 1610 AM at com, and the show has been called Fact and Fiction. All this time, from day one, and we're going to get into a little bit about that in just a minute, but first we wanted to get to know John a little bit better. John, tell us a little bit about uh, where you come from. Lagodi, Indiana, southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Born and raised, well, we came up after the war. I was raised really in Indianapolis. We came up because there was no jobs and lived in Indianapolis, uh, around Indianapolis all my life, moved out to Brownsburg in 1979, been here ever since. I've owned several companies. I've been the CEO of a large $8 million corporation. Uh, That was uh, several years ago, but now I own a business with my partner for the last 10 years called Crosspoint Studios, and Mm -hmm. we build uh, marketing websites for small communities, and we just finished one for Brownsburg. And it's brownsburghasit.com. Now, one of the things that uh, you mentioned there is you moved to Brownsburg in 1979. Yes. And when did you become a trustee of the Brown Township? Ten, uh, Ten years ago, so that would have been about 2007. What made you decide to do that? Well, the trustee at the time, uh, she called me. They had a vacancy, and I had been, I had known her. I had seen her a lot at uh, town council meetings, and she knew I was interested in what was going on in the community. So she asked me to run for the office, and I did, and I was elected every time that I ran. And and uh, it was uh, it was a good experience. Ten years was probably two years too long, but we were able to cut the budgets. We cut our salary in half. The first time I became the president of the board, I cut our pay in half. The other two guys didn't like it, and I didn't really care. <laughs> but we uh, cut the tax rate. We cut our budget. We cut everything over the course of those years, and I'm very proud of that. What about uh, that position changed you? The uh, When the annexation fight happened, 
and the residents came to us and wanted us to pay their legal bills uh, and I told them no and then they just started um, filling up the meetings, insulting me, insulting everything I did. The accusations were just um, embarrassing. They should have embarrassed themselves for the way they, uh, what they accused me of. Here I gave eight, nine, ten years of my life to help uh, better our community, and these guys were mad at me because I wouldn't give them taxpayer dollars to pay their legal bills, so I just had enough of that. I'd, I, I'm 70 years old. I've got a good business going. I've got a great family, great wife, and I don't need to put up with that. So I just said, "See you later, pal." Hmm. Now, being in there that long, what about the job uh, did you like, and what did you think was uh, what surprised you? What was the? Uh, I think we have talked about one of the big, some of the biggest wastes that you've been involved. Government waste, shall yes, we say? Yes. Uh, first off, I think you've been outspoken about the position itself, uh, trustees. Oh, it needs to go away. Yeah. The trustee and the trustee board is a waste of money. The, uh, when I left uh, in, about a year ago, we had uh, probably $800,000 in the bank of taxpayer dollars and with a budget of, I, I, can't, I think it was $80,000. So it's insane. We need to get rid of the trustee offices across the state, get rid of the boards, because a lot of board members around the state make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's taxpayer dollars, and it's not needed. It needs to go away. But I, I enjoyed it because there were times we were able to respond to the needs of the residents really fast. The ones, there is a, what, they don't, I don't think they call it poor relief fund anymore, but We had money set aside for those who really did have needs. And, Matt, I mean, we really uh, made sure that it was a need and they weren't just um, sucking off the system, so to speak. So uh, we watched the dollars very carefully. It was fun watching the taxpayer dollars. It was fun cutting the budget, fun cutting out all the uh, expenses that weren't necessary. That part was fun. But then when... The uh, anti-annexation residents were coming at us and calling us names and and accusing us us of all kinds of rotten things, and it wasn't funny anymore. So I just left. You mean it wasn't worth all that ton of money you were making? Yeah, the five hundred dollars a year. <laughs> it was a thousand a year when I started, and I said, "Boys, wait a minute. We spend about three hours of our time." Uh, doing this, and that's what it was at the time. And then when the anti-annexation, we're just meeting after meeting after meeting, which I was glad to do, but not the insults. Yeah. Not the insults. Well, let's go back uh, a little bit, almost at the same time, not quite at the same time, but it seems like it, uh, uh, that's a better way to say it, it seems like it is uh, you and a friend of yours, Bill Sibbing, decided to start a show. First off, how did you meet Bill Sibbing? Well, Bill Sibbing uh, and I met each other when we were going to town council meetings, and we were of kindred souls in the fact that we just saw government as wasting taxpayer dollars and not uh, being efficient, and Bill decided to run for town council, so he asked me to be the chairman of his uh, election committee, which I was glad to do. So we uh, got Bill elected. He served for four years, and the a lot of the town uh, employees didn't like the fact that Bill Sibbing asked a lot of questions. <laughs> so they voted him out, and after he was voted out, Bill called me up and said, what do you think about doing a radio show? And 
I was really shocked by him uh, asking me, and, well, where are we going to go? And he goes, well, I know where we can go. So we came over to your radio station, xrbradio.com, and uh, talked to you about the show. We let you know it's probably going to be controversial because we were going to say things that weren't popular. Mm Mm-hmm that the town employees would not like us talking about how the money's being wasted. The town manager wouldn't like it. And you said, listen, this is a free country. Uh, if your company is willing to uh, underwrite and pay for the show, then come on. So we did that, and that was almost seven years ago, Shane. Mm-hmm. So we were on the air for almost seven years and uh, truly uh, – Enjoyed it. Truly, truly enjoyed that. Now, originally, the show, um, on top of all of that, there was another publication in town. There was a publication in town, um, and it was called the Brownsburg Week. It was put together by the late Bob Wilson. Yes. And um, he was one of those who wasn't too favorable upon Bill. Uh, in the publication, but he had a different view of things than uh, probably you and Bill had on several different aspects. Was that a good way to say that? Well, it is. He he uh, he viewed things. Uh, I don't, I don't have no idea why he was anti Bill because Bill was nothing. Uh, Bill was a pro taxpayer, pro efficient use of taxpayer dollars. I just think somehow they got off on the wrong foot. I don't know. Bob Wilson misunderstood something. I liked Bill. Bob Wilson. Mm-hmm. I like Bob a lot. Uh, matter of fact, before he passed away, we used to go back and forth with he'd write something in his paper. Mm-hmm. We'd say something about it on the radio show, then he'd put something in his paper, and we'd go back and forth, and that was fun. I had a lot right. of respect for uh, Mr. Wilson, but uh, I don't know what it was. Um, he had something against uh, Bill Sibbing. Maybe it came from um, other members in the community that put pressure on Bob Wilson to write those things. I don't know, but... Um, it was fun for a while. Yeah. Well, uh, why did uh, you feel like, uh, even after Bob passed away, I mean, the show continued, has continued for years. Yes. Uh, why did you feel like you needed to keep going at that point? W- Bill Sibby and I just felt like somebody needed to tell the truth about what, how the money was being spent in the town of Brownsburg. And now when I say tell the truth, I don't mean somebody lied, but the government will withhold information. If they, if they don't have to tell you, they're not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And Bill just and I felt like we needed to talk about how the town was spending taxpayer dollars, how the school corporation was spending taxpayer dollars, so much waste on so many different levels that we we just felt, I mean, my grandfather taught me, if you see a responsibility, it becomes your responsibility. And Bill and I saw that, and so we decided that's why we wanted to do this show. Everything we talked about was based on the documents from those entities, the school and the town. And if we made a mistake, Bill was adamant about um, talking about that mistake on the very next show and admitting that we had made a mistake. But we we just felt like it was a responsibility that we needed to grab hold of, and we did. Let's talk about some of the issues that you guys took on over the years. And I can and I wasn't prepared for this. I should have been, but uh, I'm going strictly by memory. Of course, first and foremost was the Brownsburg Town Council. Yes. Um, the also the 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 um, the fire uh, territory. Yes. It's talked about quite a bit over yeah, the years. And the police department. And the police department. Yes. 
uh, a little bit further out, I remember there was uh, some issue with the Hendricks County Visitor and Convention Convention and Visitors Bureau, which is now called Visit Hendricks County. Visit Hendricks County, yes. There was a gentleman down there that was kind of a hothead okay. that ran that, and he's gone now. And the lady that runs it now, my, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember her Jamie? name. Jamie? Jamie, yes. Mm-hmm. She's excellent. Yeah. She's done a good job down there, uh, Visit Hendricks County, so she's uh, it's on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, you also uh, took on the school quite often. We did. Here in Brownsburg. We did. We went through uh, how they're wasting our money. I mean, it just drove me crazy. And uh, I don't want to speak for Bill, but I think so, too. They, You know, they'd have little meetings afterwards and spend hundreds of dollars on pizza. They'd spend thousands and thousands of dollars on geese police, <laughs> yes. landscaping, hundreds of thousands of dollars on landscaping. And I, I, it just... You know, we just everybody just thinks this manna from heaven, this taxpayer dollars, and and it just has always driven me crazy. The arrogance often on the part of uh, uh, government entities that have taxpayer dollars coming in left and right that uh, they would just waste it, and I just couldn't stand it. But we also on the show, Shane, we talked about through my business, I would be doing business in communities around the state and there were a lot of small towns that watched every single dime carefully Mm -hmm. and that made it even worse when we come back here and study the documents from this town watching the money being thrown around left and right when i'd see a wonderful town like kendallville indiana where the mayor up there mayor hanshue watched every dime i mean but she was a marine Mm. and she was just very uh german Marine, you watch every dime, and I'd see that, and then come back here and just see the money being thrown around left and right. It made it even worse. Yeah. Um, you also branched out. You guys also branched out and talked about state government, too, and a lot of the problems. You're- we did. Yeah, we kind of – the, the, the show, Fact and Fiction, grew from focusing on this, and then the, the circle got bigger, the mm-hmm. circle got bigger. Because we started to see how what would happen at the state level would happen, would affect us here at the local level. Right. So we started to talk about what was going on at the state. We would have state senators come in on our show. We would mm-hmm. have state reps come in to our show, usually one time. <laughs> it never came back. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. You did have guests on. Uh, I did. Yes. One. Uh, I don't remember for sure. You. One of the. Some of the first ones were people who were running for town council. Yes. Shortly after you went uh, on the air with the show. Yes. Uh, of course, Mr. Kendall, who was a council member at the time, was on several. He was times. on several shows. He was the one town council member, Rob Kendall, that was not afraid to come on this show. And there was no reason to be afraid unless you didn't like the truth right. or direct questions. And Mr. Kendall was not afraid to answer a direct question, and he also was not afraid to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If we asked him a question, he was not afraid to say, I don't know what the answer to that question is, but I will get it uh, for you. And uh, I was listening to Rob Kendall on WIBC Radio a couple of Sundays ago, and as I tuned in, he was talking about how he grew up. Once he became a town council member, how much he matured over those four years and how much that taught him. And I was sitting there in my car waiting for him to say, and John Goaty was the number one reason <laughs> that I grew up. But I didn't hear that compliment. <laughs> you knew he was wanting to. <laughs> he was wanting to say it, but he just couldn't do it. Probably the censors over there at Oh, WIBC, yeah. Don't, don't want to say my yeah, name. Don't say Goaty. <laughs> don't mention Goaty's name. We'll lose advertisers. <laughs> 
uh, you know, you guys also had on local business owners. We did. Uh, several times. Yes, yes we did. Uh, you tried to represent uh, and even sometimes had people who had opposing views to you guys. Uh, you know, if they came on, I remember one of the first ones who came on uh, who had an opposing view was now a councilman, although he wasn't at the time. Was uh, Chris Worley? Yes, who was writing for Bob Wilson yes. at the time, and yes. he came on and took you guys on, and uh, that was one of the more interesting early shows. I we believe. did, we did an hour show, two yeah. two half hour shows yep. with him. I remember when he came in here, he was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> he really was, and I just shook his hand and said, "Chris, we're not going to attack you. We're just going to talk." We're going to conduct ourselves in a professional and business-like manner and ask you questions. If we disagree, that's fine. That's what this wonderful country is about, is we can disagree without pulling out the six-shooters. Yeah. Well, after all this time, you have an announcement to make. And uh, you told me less than a week ago, and and you were sitting in that very seat. Do you want to go ahead and talk about it? Yes. uh, We are no longer going to do the Fact and Fiction show. It's over um, six, almost seven years, and it came from me. It did not come from Bill Sibbing. And the reason it came from me was because I'm 70 years old, uh, just got my physical today. I'm in great shape, but I, I just have to keep positive things in my life. And the de- by, just by definition, doing the fact and fiction radio show, when you're talking about how government is wasting money, that's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly talking about the negative things that government does, state, local, national. And I just couldn't handle that negativity anymore. I just don't want to do that. And that made it become a job to do the show instead of fun. Mm -hmm. So I called Bill up. We had a heart-to-heart conversation. And and Bill said, listen, if it's affecting your family and affecting your job, you, you shouldn't be doing this. And it was affecting my uh, company because my partner and I, I was taking almost a whole day away to prepare for the show and then come in and do the show. And that's not fair because our business is growing. He needs me. I need him. So it just seemed to be the right thing to do at the right time. And I know I made the right decision because after it, I, it was done, Bill and I had talked. We came in and talked to you. I felt so much better. It just, uh, everybody, you know, I don't know about everybody, but sometimes maybe folks think it's easy to do a radio show. It's not. Mm-mm. It's very hard. You have to prepare a lot. And if you care, you want to make sure that you're saying the truth mm-hmm. as you know it. And that's hard. That's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of tension. And it was just time to uh, to end that pressure and end that tension and negativity and and uh, maybe go on and do something else. Compliments for your partner uh, in the show, Bill Sibbing. He always came in here prepared and put the agenda together. Right? Always prepared. Bill, uh, I mean, right down to the Nats rear end, buddy. I mean, he <laughs> had it, eyes dotted, T's crossed. It had to be perfect or Bill wouldn't go on the air with it. Uh, You know, it was we were a great team because Bill was uh, the fact he was the facts plus facts plus facts. And I was the guy that just wanted to make fun of stuff (laughs) and, you know, and joke about it. So I think it was a good team. We enjoyed it for almost seven years. But Bill, without Bill, it couldn't have happened. Without Bill Sibbing, this show could not have happened. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be a lot of people who are going to miss it. And I already know that. Um, I, 
over, you know, always whenever I got emails, I shared it with you guys. Yes. The used to you would read down all the cities uh, that where we tracked that were listening to the show, and I'm here to tell the listeners that those were real. They were, I had so many people over the years say, it, well, "Those cities he's reading is that real?" And I would say. Absolutely they are, because I provided those. I'm mm-hmm. the one who had the Google research, and I could find what towns people were listening to the show in. So I know there's going to be people who miss it. And uh, if Bob Wilson were here, I know he would miss it because, and I, I think I might have told you and Bill this, but I was a friend of Bob's. I would go over there all the time to the gas house, and he would he he knew everything you guys said, and he would ask me, you know, what were they talking about? Well, I don't believe they're just crazy. I'm going to have to write about this, you know. And uh, he, he, if if we did a like a holiday show or something where uh, maybe we had to skip a recording or something, he would email me or call me or something and say, "Isn't there going to be a show this week?" <laughs> I like Bob. Um, and, to, you know, just recently we had some people saying because of some computer updates, I can't get the show. What's wrong? My flash player isn't working or whatever, you know? And so, yes. uh, I think you'll be interested uh, in time, you know, the amount of people who will either directly or indirectly, you'll get word that, you know, they, there's no watchdog, so to speak anymore. How does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel great. It really does, because there was a lot of work, and if there's uh, some folks out there that appreciate what we did, that warms my heart, that makes me feel good, because Watchdog is a good description of what the show was, and we as citizens have to be watchdogs over our government. We have to do that. It's just time for somebody uh, else to um, maybe... Pick up the gauntlet and carry the torch and come in here and do a radio show for four or five or six years because there's a thirst out there in the community to hear what's going on with our government. Uh, I hope somebody does, Shane. I really do. I would support them if that would happen. Yeah. Well, John, and I've already told Bill this, and of course I told you too, but I'm saying it on the air. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. You guys were actually my guinea pigs on a lot of equipment over the years. <laughs> yes, I we were. Try, when you guys would walk in, I would say, all right, I got a new piece of equipment. Yeah. I'm going to try it on you guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I really appreciate that you guys thought enough of uh, us and uh, all the folks at XRBRadio.com over the years to, to do the show and, and trust us with the stuff that went on when the, as they say, when the tapes weren't rolling and That's also right. <laughs> when yes. they were. So uh, uh, it's been fun, and I, I really appreciate it. Last uh, a couple of thoughts to, uh, to listeners. Mm-hmm. Two of my uh, big uh, uh, philosophies in life, one of them is the biggest mistake you can make in life is fearing you will make one. The other one is in your business, life in your job if you decide to go out and start a business here's what i do here's what my partner and i have always done i act as if it's impossible to fail Hmm. and not fearing to make a mistake and acting like it's impossible to fail those two things will get you through the dark hours of the night (laughs) when you're trying to figure out how you're going to meet payroll (laughs) (laughs) john Gody, the host of fact and fiction We certainly do appreciate you being our guest today on Central Indiana Today. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. This has been Central Indiana Today, presented by the Kevin Kersey Agency on WYRZ.
Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help with home, life, auto, or business needs. Phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk-ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg.